Hey folks, Jason here. Just want to let you know this episode is all about the 1991 movie Dollman. We are going to spoil the movie. We're going to talk details about the plots and everything about the movie. If you want to watch it first, you can see it on Amazon Prime in the U.S. It's on YouTube. You can watch on YouTube for free. So there, go out and watch the movie before you hear us talk about it if you don't want to be spoiled. Let's get into it. Well, pop yourself a beer or a cold libation. I can tell you how I wrote this little thing. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said, I'll start up with some talking and some moody clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundness exploitation, kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxing, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the box come on, contest and of course you know it's all about games. I said, slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Today on Spotlight Sunday, we're doing uh, episode. Damn it! Let me start again. It's not Spotlight Sunday. Well, yeah, but it's on Sunday, so um, let me formulate what I want to say. Okay, got it. Got it. Okay. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Even though it's Sunday, instead of doing a Spotlight Sunday on an event. This is the next in our series of the Year of Poon, where every month I'm, I have a friend on the podcast, and we're going to discuss one of Albert Poon's movies. Albert Poon, of course, is a legendary filmmaker who passed away at the end of last year, and I, I want to honor him by talking about his movies you know, once a month all, all year this year. Today, I'm joined once again by Joe Richter of Hindsightless, and we're going to talk about 1991's Dollman. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing really good, man. I am very excited to be here to talk about this movie. That's awesome. Have you seen this movie before? This this viewing of it, uh, which I watched uh, the day before this recording, was my first time ever seeing this movie. Awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so this is going to be a great discussion. It so is. Before, I'm, yeah, I'm before we launch in the movie proper, let let me give a little, just a really minor bit of background here. Mm-hmm. So this is a 1991 movie. Albert Poon had been making movies for, for a few years now. Um, this is actually a Full Moon Productions movie. And, and people that were around in the 90s are going to remember Full Moon Productions because these were straight-to-video, straight-to-VHS movies that were cranked out. Charles Band and his crew did these. There are a bunch of these movies out there. And, and some of them are actually pretty good. One nice thing about these full moon movies, a lot of them are a fairly short runtime. Like this movie is really only about 71 minutes once you remove the credits out yeah. of the movie. But that harkens back to like, if we think about the classic like monster movies, like I do a, a very sporadic series with Rob over down the heap where we talk about the universal monster movies. And a lot of those movies are just over an hour in length. And, and that shorter length actually, I think is beneficial to movies like this because you're not padding them out with a bunch of scenes, you know what I mean? It, I, yeah, I totally agree, man. Like, this movie flies, it's fast-paced, it's it's great, dude, it's awesome. And, yeah. like, a movie doesn't need to be two hours long to tell a story. It doesn't. You can tell a concise story in less time. 
yeah, you don't need these three hour, you know, epics that we're having in theaters these days. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of I'm OK with 90 minutes, an hour and a half. But, you know, for a while there, like in the 80s and 90s, we're getting hour and a, 90 minute movies and mm-hmm. pretty consistently, you know, action movies or whatever, were always going to be 90 minutes. And that was great. Oh. And then we started getting two and a half hours, two hours, two and a half hours, and you know, extending three hours, 10 minutes. And it's, yeah, it, it gets, I mean, you know, you got to, at least when Quentin Tarantino did um, The Hateful Eight, and, and I saw the long version of that, they had an intermission in the middle of it so you could go to the bathroom, you, right. you know, that was, but anyway, let's get back to Dom Man. So, yeah. like I say, Albert Pun movie, and this is for Full Moon Productions for Charles Dan- Band, he pitch this to Charles Band is I can make two movies for the price of one. And so he was going to make this in Arcade. Now, I, I'm going to assume you haven't seen Arcade. I have not. So possibly we'll cover that at some point later in this year. I'm not going to talk about Arcade, but that's how this movie is pitched. And I this movie got made totally. He got maybe halfway through Arcade and then kind of left <laughs> and, and it got finished. So if we talk about that, we'll talk about that part of it. But but this one we see a lot of Albert Pun isms in this movie. Um, the the first one being the name of our title character. So Tim Thomerson is our protagonist in this movie. Tim Thomerson's a great actor. You guys have seen him in a variety of different things. The other thing he was doing at this time for Charles Band were the Transfers movies, where he played a a cop with a very similar attitude. Yeah, that cop was Jack Death. And Transfers has there's like six or seven or eight sequels to that series. But he's effectively played Dirty Harry. And in this movie, he effectively plays Dirty Harry. Although if you watch the special features, he says he's trying to channel the man with no name. But it, you know, either way, it's kind of the same thing. He's channeling his inner Clint Eastwood to be Brick Bardo. Now, Brick Bardo is a name you'll see in other Albert Pun movies. And the reason for that is one of the filmmakers Pun worked with early in his career was Joseph Bardo. And he, th- it's a tribute to this Joseph Bardo cat, who was also called Brick Bardo in some of his performances. Uh, he's probably best known for porn stuff, but he also was in real movies. Or I shouldn't say that's not fair. He was also right. in mainstream movies. Um, okay. In addition to you know, adult movies, but yeah. but having and and Joseph Bardo is a cinematographer and director as well as an actor. And, and Pun learned some things from him, and he obviously because he credits him in a lot of his movies by having, you know, doing homage to him with character names. The other thing we see in this movie are, and we'll talk about them when they pop up, but we see reoccurring actors. Pun liked to work with the same actors. Yeah. You know, and, and so, for example, in this movie, we're going to see Vincent Klein, who played Fender in Cyborg. He reappears in this movie as one of the gang members. So, oh, okay. Nice. He's a he's the gang member gets shot, gets wounded in, in the initial confrontation of the gang. In the initial, co- oh, okay, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the the last thing I'll mention with with Thomerson, Tim Thomerson, we see him playing like hard asses here, but he definitely there's a comedic side to this character, and there's comedic side to this movie, and he has pretty good comedic timing, and the reason for that is. Tim Thomerson started his career as a comedian and he was buddies of David Letterman. And, and so okay. he'd be a stand up comedian. This, this movie was really funny. Yeah, like, it, it, I laughed and not at the movie. You know, I laughed because of, because there were funny parts, comedic parts in this movie. It was really, it was, it was awesome, man. 
Okay. Well, 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 well let's get into it. So we yeah. start off 10,000 light years away from Earth mm-hmm. on the planet Arturos. And yeah. we're going to spend 20 minutes on Arturos and then come to Earth, which you see is something we see in a lot of these kind of movies. Think like Masters of the Universe. We start on right. Eternia and then we come to Earth because yeah. we don't have the budget to stay on Eternia. Well, it, and it, to be fair, the the alien world is basically just a futuristic Earth. That's what like, I was about cyberpunk. to say. It's cyberpunk. It's a cyberpunk Earth. <laughs> it very much is. Um, it 100% is. And, and that's what I, actually my note says. All these worlds are pretty much Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, Which it's, that's a smart idea. Yep. You know, like we're going to have an alien world. We don't have a budget. How do we show it's alien? It's just it's the future. Right. And, and and in here, you know, cops are still fighting against red tape, which is a trope as, as old as cops themselves. Right. Um, in fact, a great discussion for folks. If, if you want, you know, this was done outside America as well. The whole Italian Polizia craze. You, you can see there's a great documentary called Eurocrime. You can go watch where they go off and do this. And, and if you're interested in those movies, I recommend Frank Nero, 1973's High Crime. Excellent, excellent example of that genre. But yeah, so we we have the so the movie opens up. We got this guy on the run from the cops. He ends up running into a laundromat, and for some reason, there are a bunch of overweight women with overweight kids in, in the laundromat. In the and, laundromat. And, and, and they there are a lot of fat jokes. <clears throat> okay, and I, I was like, oh sweet dude, he's using you know regular size actors and stuff different size actors in this movie <laughs> yeah the, 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 just... yeah they're just there for comedy <laughs> yeah <laughs> they, they are yep. i mean and even so so this guy goes in there and, and he is holding them hostage and what mm-hmm. he does is he ties all the the large women around him as a shield so he can't so the cops can't shoot him right and, and he has his demands and the, and they throw in sci-fi jargon of the currency and how far he wants to get away and stuff like that. Right. And the mayor's and, and, and the police captain's talking to the mayor on a walk, a video walkie talkie, you know, kind of, he's basically FaceTiming the mayor. Mm-hmm, they're and, FaceTiming, yep. Yeah. They're FaceTiming. And the mayor's like, no, just give him whatever he wants because the election's next week. And I can't have a bunch of, you know, dead fat ladies. on my, my <laughs> Can't have a bunch of dead fat ladies all over the news. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and there are a number, I, I'm not going to go watch the movie and you can see, see all these jokes, you know, overweight jokes, but they lay it on thick. I, I mean, they, they, they don't, you know, even the cop that initially sees us, we got a big problem here. Right. I mean, they, they, they lay it on thick. Um, and, and that humor might work for you. It might not, but it, yeah, it, it's a hundred percent there. As a fat guy, it made me chuckle. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's 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 what it is, right? I and, and definitely, yeah. There there are some of these lines, a hundred percent, maybe. Especially, there's a line a little bit later where, well, well, we'll get to it here in a minute. So, so the captain's talking to the the mayor, and and then Brick Bardo comes down a fire. Brick Bardo, Tim Thomerson, our hero, starts mm-hmm. coming down a fire escape. We see him exit a building, come down a fire escape, and the captain says. Oh wait! I don't have to give in to him, Mayor. I I see a solution. Here comes Brick Bardo, and the mayor goes, "No, that's Psycho. He's the one that did some some other thing. And yeah. Isn't he on suspension?" And and the captain's like, "Oh, sorry, Mayor. I'm we're having a bad connection." He breaks the antenna off his his radio, <laughs> and he goes to he goes up to Brick Bardo, who's holding his laundry bag. And, and now this has been all in the news, and, right. and there's and 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 there's you know police announcements and all, and you can tell what kind of world is. Because I don't know if you caught the the female voice in the background over the police loudspeaker. 
giving warnings and such. She says, yeah, anyone found in unauthorized area is subject to immediate arrest and beating. Yeah. Um, oh, did I steal one of your lines? No. Okay. Um, so anyway, so the captain confronts Brick Bardo and he, or not confronts, but he stops him on the way into the laundromat and goes, you, you know, what, what, do you have any ideas? And Bardo says, you know, I'm on suspension. He goes, well, no. yeah, but do you have any ideas? And Bardo tells him, I've got an idea. I'm going to use hot water for my whites, a cold wash, and warm rinse for colors. The captain <laughs> says, what are you talking about? And Bardo says, laundry, Captain. This is where I do it. Excuse I'm me. Gonna, I'm going to go do my laundry. Right. Uh, before we go, for go I want to bring one thing. You, you mentioned the news broadcasts. Mm -hmm. And I just want to point out that Hun and the writers do a really clever thing in this movie a few times where they have the background news broadcast, not what you're meant to be paying attention to, foreshadow stuff and lay the groundwork for stuff that happens later on in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I noticed that that happens at least twice. And it's just it's really cool. It's really good writing, you know, to to build up the world. So it's not like, oh, here's this crazy event that happened. It's these things are happening in the world and now they're affecting our protagonists. And I just, I, it's, it's really well done. Right. And, and actually I've, I've got that in the notes. We're going to mention it here in a, in a little bit, one of the later instances of this, but yeah, they a hundred percent do. So we, we get dropped this event that happened, whatever this shooting or whatever thing mm -hmm. that Bardo was in before. And, and we hear the back, you, you get the feeling for what kind of world it is from the announcements and the warnings they're given out over the loudspeakers. Yeah. And, um, so now Bardo goes in and does a Steven Seagal where he just, you know, wanders into the to this crime as an innocent oh, wow. person and inserts himself in it. Right. Yeah. And the guy's yelling at him. Hey, what are you doing in here? Yeah. He's the man. Bardo's just doing his laundry, which, you know, he just throws the whole laundry bag. He doesn't empty it. He just throws no, the laundry bag in there. <laughs> he dumps in a bunch. You know, he's measuring out detergent. One cup, two cups. And he puts he's coins counting. in there. <laughs> Yep. And, and and this entire time the gunman is screaming at him like get out of here what are you doing in here and Brick Bardo is just ignoring him. Like the guy's not even there and it's just it's just an example of how calm, cool and badass Brick Bardo is. 100%. And and finally Bardo puts his coins in, he gets the laundry started and then he pulls his gun out. Which he's he's got a, a a Whitley Magnum. We don't know if it's a four seventy five or or a forty five Winchester Magnum Whitley, but it doesn't really matter because in this world it's a different gun. But he pulls Which, out this a, a big ass silver gun is all you need. Big ass silver handgun is all that matters. And and, and he walks right up to, the, to to this guy who's holding the hostages, and he tells him, "That's right. One of us has to leave, but I've already paid for my laundry." <laughs> And then one of the kids there uh, that's part of the hostages talks about the gun. Right. The kid says, oh, that's a whatever, you know, the most powerful gun in the universe. The most powerful handgun in the universe Brick yeah. Bardo has. That's right. And Brick Bardo <laughs> says, that's right, fat boy. And then he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, and he puts the gun against one of the ladies in front of this guy. He says, I'm going to mm -hmm. shoot right through this fat lady. And right through you, tell, talking to the gunman, and through yeah. the lady behind you, and there's going to be guts all over the laundromat, fat boy. And he looks back at the kid and says that. And um, and and we've just lost a bunch of listeners now. But 
anyway, and so what, but, but the reason he's doing this and it works is one of the women now mm-hmm. faints. Mm-hmm. And when the woman faints, of course, the whole pile tied together falls. <laughs> and when they fall, of course, they shake the camera to show that, you know, a bunch of white people fell. And, right. You know, and, and that ends the situation without any violence. With so, no violence, man. Yeah. It was very smart. Yeah. They, they, one of the officers afterwards mentions that it was a cardiac event. Well, yeah. Two, two women gave, yeah. He gave, he gave the ladies heart attacks and they fainted right. and fell. And took the gun down with them, dude. It's it was a stroke of brilliance by Brick Bardo. Right. Well, well, the mayor's yeah, the mayor's shows up on the scene. He's angry because you know two of these women had a cardiac event, and the and the and the captain's like, but nobody died. You know, there's a win win. And the mayor's like, no, it's not. I want him fired, and this and that. And Bardo like, I want him suspended, and captain's like, he's already suspended. Yeah, and then mayor's (laughs) like, then I want him fired. But now Bardo walks out. He has all of his laundry folded. Nice and neat, right? And he goes home. You know, you know. Yeah. Um, w- while he's at home, we get another news broadcast where. Oh yeah, we, this part's we, good. Yeah, so so effectively, what they do is they running man him, right? So in, in this, the you, you know the news comes up and says that uh, a, a rogue police officer shot twenty seven bystanders in a laundromat, and they have reports that Brick Bardo was the one that did it. Twenty seven point four. Oh no, no, it was 20 cents. And yeah. they said that and and we hear that 1.4 of those were children. 1.4 of the dead were children. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. What does that even mean? I love it, man. So it, it, at this point, we switch to the weather. And during the weather, they tell it's a travel advisory that you, you know spaceships need to be careful because there are energy bands. Energy bands. You know, and they're dangerous and they could destroy ships. And they also drop the the knowledge that some ships have hit the energy bands and disappeared and, mm-hmm. and there's no trace of them, which, which is something I, which leads a plot hook that people from Arturos could show up in f- future films. Other people from the planet could show up in future films. I was going to use that when I was going to run a Dollman man versus dynamic toys game at a convention, but I never got to, to make it to that convention. So that game never got ran off to do that sometime in the future. But during this, but Bardo doesn't get to finish watching the news because a thug shows up and starts shooting at him, to, which he had, when he got home, he took his gun out and put it on the table. And the gun man shoots to keep him away from his gun and hits him with a stun weapon and, and, and knocks Bardo out. And one thing I want to point out, when we're saying it's an alien world and everything, these are all just human beings. They, they're, they're not aliens in any stretch. They, these are all just regular human beings. So I just want to make that clear before we move to earth so we can see the real difference right well so yeah we're going to talk about that here with this next segment because most of them are regular human beings and even when he gets to earth the ship even says you know the atmosphere is safe for human you're in an alien world but the the atmosphere is safe for human beings and so the ship is calling him a human being yeah yeah um but whether they're all just like human beings is a question we get in the next in this next segment so Barta wakes up and he's in this, you know, ruined area that actually is where they filmed um, Nemesis. Okay. Pun used this area a lot. This area, it's like there's these three like towers in the background, and or they're not really towers; they're um, exhaust pipes. These tall, like you see, like nuclear power plant. Yeah, and, um, they're in the background, 
and then you know a lot of wreckage and and there are a number of movies that pun filmed in this location but you find a cool location man you might yeah, as well you keep using it. it yeah 100 <laughs> percent. yeah keep using it so anyway bardo wakes up and the the bad guys there with the gun and there's two other bad guys there and then there's also sprug now sprug sprug is one of the coolest villains I've come across in a long time. So that, that tell, tell people, yeah, amazing. tell people about Sprug. So Sprug is an old rival of Brig Bardo, and through the course of their interactions together, while Brick has been foiling Sprug's plans, which there's one of the greatest lines ever. Oh uh, yeah, do, do, uh, do you have it written down, or do you want me to give it? Do you have it? Yeah. Uh, well, so there's a couple great lines here. When, when Sprug first shows up. Um, well, it, it describes Sprug to him first. So throughout their uh, interactions together, Brick Bardo has blown away bits of Sprug's body with his super powerful handgun. And so now Sprug is basically just a head, a human head connected to like a bunch of machines and stuff, dude. It's creepy and amazing and awesome. Yeah, it's basically a dinner plate with two engines and a head on top of it. Right. And- <laughs> And he's floating there. And but yeah, when they first are there, Sprug says, I bet you thought you saw the last of me. And Bardo says, I am seeing the last of you, Sprug. <laughs> and, and but when we talk about aliens and whether he's human or not, you know, when they talk about so they talk back and forth about how Bardo slowly was blowing off different parts of his body. Mm-hmm. And at one point they said, Did I blow off two or three legs at that time? And Sprug says that and other important parts. But so you kind of implied that maybe Sprug had three legs. Now, depending yeah, what you consider a leg. I thought we have that was more of that. a dick joke. Yeah, we have another dick joke later on. Yeah. Well, we couple, but yeah. I thought that was. Uh, yeah. Could be. Yeah, it could be. Um, so Sprug is played by, real quickly, actor Frank Collision. Isn't that, that a dude great knocks name? it out of the friggin' park, man. And, and you. Yeah, you've probably seen this cat. He's has okay. 105 acting credits. I mean, he's been in yeah. stuff for what years. What are some of his bigger roles you have it there? Um that people I, might know. I, I don't know that he ever had big, big roles. Okay. Um, this, but he's I been think in, this dude is evil and yeah. manipulative and creepy and just I think he kills this role, man. He I love this guy. Yeah, he's great in this. He He's been in everything from tons of TV shows, like yeah. you know, Quantum Leap and a bunch of stuff. He was in The Last Boy Scout as a henchman. He was in Lawnmower Man as a just a guard. Um, he's in Doctor. Oh, he oh he played um, Horace Bing in Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman. He was in 118 episodes of that. <laughs> okay, all so right. There you go. But he's been in a, a ton of shit. Um, and, and he, like you say, he knocks. He's great as the villain here. He he really is. Um, he he does a great job. So, yeah, anyway, Sprug's there, and the idea is that they're going to use Bardo's gun to shoot him to pieces like like he did to Sprug. Right, because the bad guys now have Bardo's gun. Right. So, and, and the bad guy that has Bardo's gun points at a Bardo and says, how's it feel to, to be looking at, you know, down this end of it, of it? At which point, Bardo holds his hand up, and you see his palm glow. Yeah, and he has like this magnet thing, and and the gun flies into his hand, 
which is such a great use for like the called weapon property that magic weapons have in a lot of fantasy games. Right. It, it's effectively like Thor and and his hammer, right? Yeah. It, it, it comes yeah, right the to gun his just hand. shoots yep. into uh but before that, before he takes the gun away, we have one of my favorite lines when uh Sprug is saying his plans on what they're gonna do to Bardo. Bardo's just like, Your plans are gonna fail, and Sprug's like, Why? And Bardo's like because you always fuck them up. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 He. Yeah. The, it was. Bardo says it'll never. So the deal is, Sprug's plan is he has a dimensional fusion bomb mm-hmm. that'll blow the atoms of this city into another universe unless they pay up. And l- later on, when they talk about the bomb, Sprug talks about it's something that'll rip your dimension a new asshole. Right, and, and destroy he, everything within three parsecs. Right, he says everything in three parsecs is sent to another dimension forever. So we'll talk about that again at the end of the movie, because the bomb will come up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's his plan. And then, yeah, Bardo says, it'll never happen. Sprug says, why not? And Bardo says, because you'll screw it up. You always screw it up. <laughs> Which, you know, is perfect. You know, the, the film, I almost wish we stayed on our tourists, to be honest with you. But it, yeah. it's okay because the Bronx parts are fun too. Yeah. No, but that's just so true of any recurring villain. Mm-hmm. Like they do, they always lose and they never realize that. So it's just rad that they point it out so blatantly in this movie. Like you're a recurring villain, you constantly fail. Right. <laughs> now they are going to, instead of doing a death trap, they are getting ready to, to shoot Bardo to death, you know, to shoot yep. him to pieces, Robocop style, to shoot yep, him to yep. pieces, right? But in instead of doing that, Bardo uses mag, his magnetic thing and he, he gets the, he recalls the gun mm-hmm. and he immediately, and we keep hearing about this gun's the most powerful gun in the universe. <laughs> well, <laughs> it freaking blows these guys apart like water, like, like freaking Gallagher with fruit. I mean, it's just, right. I mean, that's, that's the best description I give. You ever seen Gallagher hit fruit with a sledgehammer? That's what this gun does to these punks. Mm-hmm. He, he blows the three of them to, you know, to pieces. Um, what one of them is is laying there, not quite dead yet. There's a lot of people that don't quite die when they get shot with the most powerful gun in the universe. Yeah, two two of them were were were, D, were, were DRT. They they were dead right there. And then, um, yeah, the one guy is still alive, puffing on a cigarette. <laughs> And um, but he he dies shortly thereafter. And um, Spro, I, I don't know if there's any any comment you have on that before we hit the the chase. Yeah, that 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 part is just he's just smoking a cigarette, dying. He's like, "What? You're gonna leave me here? No!" Because uh, Brick Bardo won't give him like the mercy shot. You know? Yep. No, not at all. And um, Sprug hops in his ship and or floats over his ship, I guess. And he and he he takes off to leave, and the bombs in the ship. And so mm-hmm. Bardo hops in a spacecraft to chase him. Right. And I guess another spacecraft that those yeah, guys had. Two spacecrafts there, I guess. Yeah. Apparently one oh. for Sprug and one for the his henchman. Makes sense. So and, and they fly into space and Sprug flies towards the energy bands. <laughs> and, and they have a discussion about, you know, you you'll you'll die if you hit the energy bands. And Sprug's like, I don't care. Your ship's not gonna make it. And anyway, effectively they're playing chicken. And he's chasing Sprug, and Sprug goes through the energy bands. So Bardo also goes through the energy bands, and they have that cheap trick, like you see in Star Trek: The Original Series, where they're shaking the the set to, to show right. the, the yeah. ships have turbulence. <laughs> yeah, and hopping around in the set to 
the show. Uh, by the way, with Sprug, we, we talk about he's just ahead. So what they do is they have a, a little miniature they're using for long shots. And then whenever the character's talking, it just zooms in. And obviously it's, you, you know, we're just seeing the actor from the neck up in prosthetic right. and makeup. But, you know, it, it works. It, it actually works yeah. pretty well, all told. Yeah. We also, in that scene with before Sprug escapes, find out that Sprug was responsible for the death of Brick Bardo's family. That's right. And yeah, left them in such a state, like basically atomized them, so there was no way to bring them back. The way Sprug has been brought back, so we we do find that out to give some more motivation to old Brick. Yeah, why he's so so down to chase him when he's been suspended and all that. Yep. So. So Brick's chasing him, and they go through this portal, and when Brick wakes wakes up, he, he's in what looks like the same rubble, but he's now in the Bronx. He, he, he's at a, you know, a construction site in the Bronx, effectively, right? Torn down building in the Bronx. We know it's the Bronx because we get some, some establishing shots of the planet. You know, we, we see a gang rob a store and, and go off, and, but unfortunately, the gang that robs a store ends up in the wrong territory. They end up in Jackie Earl Haley's territory. So Jackie Earl, Earl, Earl Haley, we all know him. Nowadays, people know him as Rorschach from The Watchmen, and he played uh, Freddy Krueger in the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. But we've talked about him on this podcast before because he's in the Bad News Bears, the original Bad News Bears movie. Is he the leader of the bad guy gang? Yeah, he's the leader of the bad guy gang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Braxton That's Rorschach, Red. huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. that guy is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the he. This is a, a fairly early role as him as an adult. Like, say he was a child actor, you know, Bad News Bears and all. Right. But um, yeah. So so he, you know, these these guys that robbed the liquor store or whatever store it was, you know, show up in his territory and he gets out with a newsie and and says, "You came to the wrong, you came to the wrong territory," you know. And, hey, and, East Siders, you're in the wrong neighborhood, and then yep. with an Uzi or something, just bop, 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 bop. Yep, takes him out. Yeah. So establishing that he's a badass and he's mm-hmm. he's the leader of this gang. Now they're on um, Dalton Street, I think is the name of it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, Dalton name. Avenue. Dalton right. Avenue is is the area that he his gang controls. Um, so that that's that's his gang's area, and we see his gang. Now the gangs aren't very well established. Like they have a mixture of red and blue headbands and stuff. So it's not like established as Crips or Bloods or anything like that. And again, we're in the Bronx, but the gang is mostly Hispanic. It's a little bit mixed um, as, as far as the actors. Um, but except the, you know, for the leader. Well, except him who's Caucasian. Yeah. Redhead. Right. <laughs> He's a ginger. Right. But yeah, but, but, but they don't play up the ethnicity or race or anything that in, in the gang element, it's all about the territories. As far but as the gang, they sort concerned. of do because all the gang members speak like this Spanglish. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're always throwing out like essay and odales and stuff. And well, so at first, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, but but I mean, the gangs. Are, it's not like a Hispanic they're not gang racial a, gangs, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what. I, yeah, that's what I meant. The gangs are territorial. You know, it's East Siders or or Dalton yeah. Avenue or North Siders or whatever. Right. But, but yeah, one, I mean, thing, one thing we do learn before we get too far into the gangs, mm-hmm. when when Brick first crash lands on Earth, his his ship is talking to him. So like you pointed out earlier, the ship tells him the atmosphere is safe to human. But also, as the computer voice is dying, it says 
the size difference here is six to one. And then then the computer voice dies. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. After scanning the structures on the planet, it figures it, it's a one. To, yeah. So he's so on this planet, he's effectively 13 inches tall. And that's the doll man. That's the gag of the movie, right? That he's that he's thirteen inches tall on, on the planet. Yes, yeah. dude, it's so good. It's so yeah. smart. So after Braxton Red shoots up this these East Siders are in his territory. Now we switch to Debbie, and Debbie is our female protagonist in the movie, and, and she is a total boss, dude. She is. She's great, yeah. and, and she is. We meet her chasing a drug dealer off the street corner. Just, off the, you know, just throwing rocks at ass, him, and, man. Yeah, yeah. She's played by Camila Lopez, who is actually also has a bunch of acting credits. Okay, because um, she's rad. I like her a lot. Yeah, she does really good here. I, I mean, she's still acting now. I mean, she's in in stuff. You know, is, is recent as last year. That um, scene where we first meet here, her feels so real. Like mm-hmm. it's it's like you're see. It just feels real. Like she's just a real person living in this neighborhood who's just fed up with the crime and the drug dealing. And she just goes at this guy who's way bigger than her scarier looking. She's just like, get out of here. I'll kick your ass. And it's just like slapping them and hitting them and hucking rocks and pushing them until he finally runs away, man. It's awesome, dude. That's one of the best like introductions to a character I've seen in a while. Oh, definitely. And the thing about this, so that's one thing this movie does that I find really interesting a lot of times movies, you know, they'll have the gangs and the citizens that are powerless against the gangs and all that. But this movie actually delves into that pathos a little bit, not a little super, bit. super deep, but it does get into a little yeah. bit. Right. So the next yeah. thing we see with her is she's trying to set up neighborhood watch. Right. And she has a meeting and she's invited a police captain to come talk to the watch. And he shows up and he's just doing video sound bites. And she's like, well, what are you really going to do? And he and he's just giving her double speak and all. And you can see no. the expression on her face like he's not going to help her at all. He's not going to do anything. No. And, and later on, we find out that um, she has a son, Kevin, and her son's father was a gangbanger right. who died in a robbery. And and that's why we're going to see later on that uh, Braxton Red keeps kind of protecting her and shielding her until the gang members leave her alone because her ex, who's dead now, was was in the gang, was in the gang so yeah. she's kind of protecting her for that reason. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah, and and later on, we we'll talk about the pathos thing. We'll, we'll talk about it. We can talk about it now. There, you know, we see after a shootout in the apartment, which we'll definitely talk about. Um, Kevin is having nightmares after that, and she yeah. has discussions with with Bardo about, you know, how she's in this hopeless struggle and and she trying to. You, you know, keep above water and 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 keep Kevin out of the gangs and stuff yeah. like this. And, and it's really nice to see the movie go down that road a little bit, as opposed to just being all macho all the time, right? And um, where she's trying to make a difference, but it, but you know how horrible the situation is, and and they even put that later in the end of the movie after Braxton kidnaps her, and he's talking to her, and, and you know he tells her at the end, you know we're we're all going down because that's the way the man wants it. Do you think they right. care about Dalton Avenue? you know and, and just showing you you know and we know they don't care because when the police captain shows at the neighborhood watch meeting it's obvious he doesn't care about dalton avenue totally man and there's yeah. not a whole lot of there are some other folks there with debbie in right. the neighborhood watch meeting but not a ton you know mm-hmm. and they're in like some dark built room with all the blinds drawn and stuff it's it's amazing yeah so so it's really well done and, and 
So you have to give the movie props for the silly movie about a 13-year-old Dirty Harry. I mean, I'm sorry, 13-inch tie Dirty Harry from an alien planet fighting with an L.A. gang. We still get into that whole pathos of the good people trying to live in that neighborhood. Yeah. Right? And there's there's even a scene on the bus after mm-hmm. word sort of gets out that doll man is there and he took out some of these gangster goons. Uh, a woman comes up to Debbie and says, oh, what time's the next neighborhood watch meeting? I'm totally going to be there. And Debbie's like, yeah, we can really make a difference. And the lady's like, yeah, especially with doll man blowing away all the scumbags. Right. And Debbie's like, that's not how I wanted that's, this to work that's out. That's not what I want. <laughs> yep. So. That's yeah, smart. That's so smart. It, it is. It, it's smarter than you expect this movie to be, right? Yeah, 100%. You didn't expect that. When you're watching this, especially at that opening scene on Arturos, you don't right. expect that kind of thing. Right, so, man. It, there's some pretty good social commentary in this movie. 100%. Definitely. So what happens? That, that, so let's jump back. So she's yep. causing trouble for the gang. So right. some of the gang members, without Braxton Red knowing it, without their leader yeah. knowing it, they decide that they're going to get rid of Debbie. So they they grab her and take her out to the construction site where Dollman crashed, mm-hmm. and, and 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 our buddy Vincent Klein, who played again played Fender and Cyborg, he's there and he grabs some gasoline out and he's yeah. supposed to be dousing her at gasoline, but he's really dousing his buddies like, and her. Pour <laughs> gasoline over everybody, dude. <laughs> but but Brick Bardo hears this. He climbs out of his spaceship and he starts shooting them. And yep. he. Kills one of the gang members. He, he wounds Fender. I don't know what his name is. I could look up his name in this movie. Doesn't yeah, matter. Now. He'll always be Fender. So right. he, he 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 wounds Fender. So Fender and his and his buddy who now now I, I do want to call out this other actor in, in this. So the the other actor there with so he plays Hector. Um, Vincent Klein plays Hector in this movie. Okay. Um, the the other actor I want to point out is the one play, plays Jackson. Louis Contreras, and he's the one that the other guy there at that initial time. We've seen him in a ton of stuff. It, like if you see him, you've seen him in a, a buttload of movies. Okay, you, you know, and and he's actually a pretty good actor. He's always in like a supporting role, and you know, like as a gang member or as a bad guy or whatever. But but I, I so this movie is interesting because we see a number of actors that we've seen before or seen other things. It's not all unknown people. They're actually got some you know fairly recognizable actors in this movie. Yeah, you know, but so they so Domman saves her, and and then, well, I, I know you you got a kick out of this part, so so you, so I'll let you describe it. So after after Dolvman saves Debbie, he's there with his tiny little UFO spaceship, and he's 13 inches tall again, and Debbie's like looming over him. The camera angles they use are amazing to show this. Uh, which we'll talk more about the special effects in a second. But Debbie's like, we got to get out of here. They're going to come back. You know, they're going to kill us. We got to go. And Dollman's like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I got to figure out what's going on. And Debbie just goes, we got to go. And just picks up, picks up Dollman inside of his UFO and just runs off with it, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, before he got back in his UFO, he says, shit, a place full of giants. I hate giants. I hate Let's... giants, which implies he's seen giants before. Right. <laughs> it makes you wonder about Arturos, right? Yep, dude. Um, yeah, so special effects. Basically, the main th- so that there's two ways they handle special effects here. Mm-hmm. One is they don't have the 13-inch doll man in the same scene with other actors. 
and they right. do that a lot. Yeah. So they'll have him with oversized props or something. And the other thing they do is what's called forced perspective. And this is the same technique used all the way back, like in 1933's King Kong, right? It's the exact same thing. that They're not using green screen and stuff. They're using forced perspective. And I think it works well enough for this movie. Um, but honestly, I think it works better in a black and white movie like King Kong than, than it does here. Probably. But overall, it, it, it works good enough. It's a B movie. I mean, what, what do you expect, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing they do is they have a, a doll, an actual 13-inch like action doll, a brick bardo, that they use in some scenes, like where yeah, he's hanging on the car like and stuff. Yeah, shots and we, stuff. Which there, if if you go over to there's a another pot there's a different podcast that talks about exploitation movies and stuff the Sleazoids podcast. If you go listen to them talk about this movie, they they talk about it as the police brutality doll. That, that's what they call the the Brick Bardo doll, which which isn't too far from the truth. But honestly, but um, the police brutality action figure is what they call it. Nice. But but yeah, but they have this doll, 13-inch doll. And and if you watch the making of feature at special features, you can find them on YouTube. Um, you'll see you know, Tim Thomerson holding the the 13-inch doll of him. You know, right. say, hey, look, yeah. it's an action figure. But <laughs> but yeah, so that's what they did. The other thing they do is like like in the end scene, there's a scene where he goes through a pipe and like so they show a normal size pipe and then they show him walking up to it. And mm -hmm. it is, you know, film where the camera's on the ground. But it's obviously not really the pipe he's entering, but you know, you buy into it just because that's what the movie wants you to do. And yeah, suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Yeah, it, it works good enough. The special effects in this movie honestly worked enough. The gore special effects are pretty good, honestly. Um, yeah. The the wounds and all look pretty good. Um overall, I, I can't fault the movie for the special effects because it, it, it is what it is. It's a direct-to-video movie, you know, shoestring budget movie. All in all, it's looks better than it probably should. Um, honestly, I, I don't really. Do you have any other special? I don't have any other special effects comments. I don't. Think. No, I thought they were great, man. They yeah. were totally serviceable. Yeah, you know, like you mentioned, they they do what they do, and they do it good enough, and it doesn't take away anything from the rest of the movie. So that mm -hmm. I think they're perfect. Yeah, I, I agree. So, so Debbie takes the spaceship home, and at first her kid thinks it's a Kevin thinks it's a toy for him. Yeah, and, and she goes, no, no, it's you know, it's not, and. He goes, oh, he's an alien. She goes, no, he's just a, a little man that's lost. You know? <laughs> and, and, yeah. And, and then there's a cockroach, and he pulls his gun out and blows away a corner of the table, a quarter of the yeah. table shooting this cockroach. And so his gun's not as, obviously, because he's smaller and his gun is smaller, it does not as much damage. So now, instead of blowing people apart, now it blows dinner-sized plates holes in people. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's still pretty darn effective Still pretty good yeah yeah but it's but it's not yeah, effectively now it's it's like a, a closer in shotgun blast compared to before it was a it, you know just and like, it doesn't when he shoots the gun it doesn't make gun noises it doesn't go bang 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 it makes laser gun noises right yeah it has a special yeah because it's you know obviously to differentiate it from the other guns. right that it's yeah. a laser but it doesn't look like a laser gun no, it's not. It's a like say it's a, it's a it's a Whitley Magnum is what it is. It's yeah. a it, it's not like they haven't put any props on the gun or anything. It's that's just what it is. You, you see that same thing in the later Death Wish movies. Charles Bronson uses it in those. Yeah. You, you see it yeah. in a number of movies. But yeah, it's just that straight up pistols all those. And um, after after Brick blows the uh, cockroach away, Debbie's like, "We won't have guns in this house. Give me that gun. You're not going to have a gun in this house." And Brick Bardo's just like, "No," and she's like, "Okay." Yeah, she's like, just put it away. And then and then Bardo goes, 
And, and he goes, oh, okay, you know. But then he goes, when will this nightmare be over? And she goes, it's not a nightmare. Then what is it? It's the South Bronx. It's the South Bronx, dude. That's such a hard line. I love it. Yep. Um, of course, Kevin tells his friends about the, the doll man in his apartment. So Debbie comes out of the shower and there's all these people in the apartment. She's like, what the hell? Get get out of my apartment. And, and she goes, Kevin, you can't tell people about the doll man. And, and Kevin says, but mom, what's the fun of having an alien if you can't show it off? Goddamn right, Kevin's a smart kid. Well, and it's funny because we, you know, this is a silly movie, but again, just like the social commentary, I, I kind of find at least the humans take Brick Bardo out of the picture for a minute and take Sprug right. out of the picture for a minute, or even you could even include them. But I think the motivations in this movie, except maybe Brick Bardo, everybody's motivations actually make sense once you get to Earth. I, I yeah. think all the all the humans are written pretty realistically and believably. Absolutely, man. I, I think they all act pretty reasonably. And, and I, I think if you took him out of it, this would be a a, a mediocre film like about drama. gang violence and stuff. Yeah, yeah totally. Drama. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I and and I say that not to put the film down. I say that is a is a plus, honestly. That's a, I, that's I, a yeah, that's yeah. a compliment. Yeah. yeah, it's to the film's credit. Um so you know, you know, it goes on. What what they end up doing is um they decide they're going to go get, get Doll Man, go go to Debbie's house and get Doll Man because so they go back to the scene of the crime. The gang does, or Braxton Red does, and he finds Sprug. Right, finds this little head, and and Sprug basically tells him, "Listen, I, I have this bomb. I'll trade you the bomb if you help me." Sprug wants him to help him get his fixed ship so he can fly back to his planet because he doesn't like being here on Earth. And Braxton Red takes him, and we we see. The um, Vincent Kleins, they're wounded and, and 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 they put him on the pool table and Braxton Red's all angry that they're <laughs> bleeding on his pool table. How am I supposed to get the blood out of this pool table? He's got this like ridiculous, like fake Italian accent, like New York accent. Oh my God, it's so good, dude. Yeah. And and, and Jackson, the, his other henchman's like trying to describe Dom Man. He's like, so a midget shot you guys up? No, no, it wasn't a midget. It was a guy about as big as this fifth. You know, he's showing the liquor bottle, you know, right. you know, which which looks like a vodka bottle. They dumped some orange juice in, <laughs> I think, because yeah. they had like you know, it looked like it was orange juice in this mm-hmm. in this that, liquor bottle. That's the thing people did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. So but anyway, and and and, and the wounded guy is still complaining. So Braxton just shoots him in the head because he tells him <laughs> to shut up. And the guy still want, you know, he's like, oh, and so he just shoots him in the head. I told you, shut up. That's cool. He shut up. Boom. Yep. See what you made me do. And I told you guys not to mess with Debbie. And and then um which later like we find out about the gang background and that right. uh, Debbie was the woman of one of the his gang members in the past. So that's their connection. But Sprug effectively eggs him on saying, Listen, this cop has come in your territory, he's disrespecting you. You need to go take him out. Yeah. You know. So yep. they all go to Debbie's apartment and Sprug doesn't, but the you know, Braxton Red and the gang does. And they break in the apartment and and they know him, you know, they know Kevin and Debbie and they're trying to be nice and like, hey, we want we just want to talk to your visitor and, and this and that. And I don't remember, did did Debbie start fighting him and then Brax No, or he just departed firing, dude. Yeah, he comes out, he shoots it up, he kills all the gang members that, that came in her apartment. In her apartment, except yeah. for Braxton, who runs off, but Braxton got caught, he got hit. Yeah. So he's wounded. I don't know how well you could see it, but the apartment walls are covered with blood. Right. Like like the walls, these white walls are now red. 
<laughs> like after the shooting. Like there's so much blood in in this apartment. But yeah, and and, and, and we see a you know, we see a cop like, okay, ma'am, thank you. Like it's later on. We like it cuts away and we cut back right. to the, the you know, some of it's cleaned up and she's wiping blood off the walls and a cop's like, okay, and he leaves. And we that, we don't I, get to that, see what we don't get the explanation what she told no. the cops happened. <laughs> like there's like four dead people in her apartment and the walls are covered in blood and they just like clean it up with like one rag and there's no evidence or anything. Well, but it's... but we know the cops know because they leave because after the cop leaves, she's finishing cleaning up the wall, the blood off the walls. So we so don't know it, what was said to the cops. Are <laughs> they just right? Are they just claiming self? Are we supposed to believe it's just like self defense or something? I, I that part's very confusing. Right, because the cop doesn't know about Dollman. man, so right. that's obvious. So yeah, who knows? Um, they, I, I mean, I'm sure the cops aren't really too worried that these gang members are killed. You know, totally. But you know, but yeah, it's it's weird <laughs> that they even showed that. You know, that's, it almost. That's- probably like the weakest part of the movie just because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense it, it would have been better if the cops just never showed up right honestly. right yeah um but Bra- braxton goes back with his wound and you know sprague says oh i see you met i see you met brick bardo and you know he says well i can i i, I have a way to heal that wound if you know if you don't have internal damage and he and so his old lights go on you, you know and sprague has his little device and he and it's a pretty cool effect where he kind of carterizes the wound. Yeah, and, the wound um, kind of like heals, uh, closes yeah, up. Yeah. And, and then Sprug says, okay, well, now you're going to do what I want. You work for me. Yeah. And of course, Braxton doesn't like that, so he crushes Sprug. <laughs> he just kills him, dude. Yep. Like, they set up this reoccurring badass villain who's like, okay, he's going to take over the gang, and this is the end boss. This is the final antagonist. And then Braxton is just like, you came to the wrong neighborhood. Smash, dude. Yep. Well, you should, you know, he disrespected him. You know, that, that's just a stroke of goddamn genius, man. Yep. That is a stroke of storytelling genius right there. Yeah. It's, pre- it's pretty great. I was shocked. I was, I mean, I was like, damn, nice, man. That ruled. But, but again, it's true to the character. Absolutely. It's a hundred percent true. And it shows why Sprug wanted to get off the planet so bad. Cause on Arcturus, he's a badass supervillain. Mm-hmm. on earth. He's a tiny little head on a plate. Yeah, he's a two inch head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Or he was, but that was he, so good. Yeah. yeah. So the, so the next day, Kevin goes to school. Debbie has to go to work. You know, Dom man's telling her, you know, you shouldn't go to work, but she goes, I, I have to. We have to buy food and pay the rent. And so she goes to work at the toxic waste plant in the middle of the Bronx. <laughs> they're, at they're... first, I was wondering because they show her, she's got every, yeah. everyone there is wearing white lab coats, face masks. Uh, they got their hair up in like shower caps. And I was like, and then looking through like micros, I was like, what job is this? And then later on in that scene, they mentioned they're at the toxic waste plant. In the middle of the Bronx. In the middle of the Bronx. <laughs> With the creepy boss. Yeah. Yeah. The creepy boss had asked her to a Guns N' Roses concert. Guns N' Roses. And, and she said, I don't date the mutant scum at work. That's <laughs> what she told him. <laughs> Which is just the greatest line. It, oh, my well, God. Well, the, the other great boss. line. Yeah, the other great line in the scene is she's talking to her, her girlfriend there, you, you mm-hmm. know, their, her coworker, and and she goes, and, and 
and she's explaining what happened. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and her friend says, you know, her female friend says, a 13-inch man, are you sure it wasn't a dream? And she goes, right. come over tonight and see him for yourself. And her friend says, I'd love to see a 13-inch man. <laughs> and then they kind of giggle into their masks. Yep. And it's that's when great. the cream zone boss comes over. Hey, what's so funny over here? Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> um, oh man, yeah. he asked me to a Guns N' Roses concert. <laughs> yeah, this like I say, this is a ninety-one film, right? Nineteen ninety-one. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so after this, you know, after work, she gets on the bus, comes home. On that bus rides, when the other lady shows up, up and asks yeah. to join Neighborhood Watch and all that. And, and during this time, Kevin has his friend over, and they have, and you end up with a bunch of people in the apartment again, you you, you know, with Doll Man and, and messing Kevin's with the nerdy and stuff. friend who knows some science stuff. Yeah, to try to help him fix the ship. Yep. That was the idea. And so when Debbie gets off the bus, the you know Braxton's there, and he's like, "Screw it, we're, we've got to finish this. We're gonna." Their plan is to kidnap Debbie, take her back to the construction site. Doll Man will have to follow to save her, and they'll take him out there. He's called. Everybody's called in the whole gang, yep. and they're going to go to war with Dollman. So they they grab her, and somebody runs up and says, "You know, you have to save Debbie's. You know, Braxton's grabbing Debbie." And at this point, Dollman says, "Get out of the way!" And he, he runs. He dives out the window. That's... He he lifts up. So so there's something we haven't mentioned here. So he during this whole movie, he's worse these sunglasses, like these Ray Ban sunglasses, right? Mm -hmm. And in the beginning of the movie. This shootout the laundromat on Arturo's, that's at night. It's at and, night. And so he when he's wearing the sunglasses the entire time. And the captain's wearing sunglasses at night too, his his boss. But as he leaves and the mayors are yelling and angry that you, you know he he had defused the situation, the mayor's like, and take off those sunglasses, it's at night. And the captain takes the sunglasses off. Right. Like, but Brick Bardo doesn't. Brick Bardo doesn't. So Brick Bardo dives out this window and and then he lifts up his sunglasses to check his trajectory. It, to is he and, he and he leaps down, he grabs on the side of the car, and, and then we see the doll hanging on the side of the car, and the car drives <laughs> we see off. The doll hanging on the side of the car, it's so rad, dude. But yeah, it's pretty great. Oh. And, and and so they they go, so they go to the, the construction site, and they don't know he's there, and he like drops off the car and hides. Right. And so you have like all the gang there, so there's like two vans and a car there. And a bunch of gang members out there with AK-47s and different guns and stuff. Like two van loads full of dudes. Right. A bunch of, a bunch, maybe a dozen gang members, right? Yeah. Like that. And, um, and, and then Braxton Red, he's, uh, what we haven't mentioned is his wound has started bleeding again. Right. It's, it's the, the healing that Sprug did isn't sticking. It's not working. Right. And, and, and by this time, Braxton's pretty sure he's going to die. Yeah. He, he knows he's dying. He's got this dimensional bomb with him too. Right, he brought the bomb with him. So, but he's using Debbie's bait, and, and that's the other thing about the dimensional bomb. Uh, real quick, is that Sprug lets them know that once you press the the button on the dimensional bomb, there's a ten second delay before it explodes. Correct. Yeah, there's, that's right. There's ten second delay. Um, so, and, and during this time when they're waiting for him to show up, the gang members are kind of milling around trying to watch for for thirteen inch guy to show up, mm -hmm. and um. Right, that's when Bardo's that's when you have this. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Rick Bardo is sneaking around and stuff. Yeah, he's sneaking around. That's when he's going through the pipes and he he yeah. like sees a rat and he tells the rat, "Don't try it, pal." Don't and, even try, and the rat scurries off. Yeah, but but and this is when um, Braxton Red and Debbie have the conversation about you know 
nobody cares about us and right you know the man doesn't care and all that the man doesn't care which, which is true too right Absolutely. so so finally the gang gets tired of waiting and and they go back and and, and Brack says okay get, everybody get in the cars and just go cruising around looking for him <laughs> and and so they go back they get in the cars and at this point bardo has snuck up and he's got a piece of rebar and he and he whacks and one of these gang members is sleeping and, yep. and he whacks a sleeping guy in the head knocking him down Right. And and they call on the radio and say, hey, everybody, we're we're, we're come back to the cars. We're going to go looking for him. And, and and you have him. You have an oversized walkie talkie prop and, and he steps on it. And it was he says, like, OK, homie. Yeah. OK, <laughs> homie. Um, and, and then he goes over and he's overseeing the scene and the guy knocked out kind of wakes up. He starts shooting at him. So he turns around, shoots that guy. Um, he does reload occasionally, but he's definitely. They're not counting bullets. The reloading rules aren't consistent. Not sometimes he reloads, sometimes he doesn't. Right. But like before he watched Brick watches all the gang members go into these like trucks and vans and start driving away. And he's like, wow, this is gonna be really easy. Yeah, he said, I thought this would be hard. Up. He's getting ready to blow up the cars while they're driving away. And that's when the dude wakes up and starts shooting at him. Yeah. So, so he shoots that dude. Then he turns around. Now everybody's kind of scurrying away from the vehicle. Right now everybody knows. Yeah, so they're shooting at him. He, But he still ends up just shooting the vehicles and effectively killing all the gang by shooting right. the vehicles. <laughs> that effectively takes out all the minions by blowing the vehicles up. Because we're only going to see one, other than Braxton Red, we're going to see one other gang member from after this point. So right. effectively he killed them all when he blew the vehicles up. And um, then Debbie, and then Barta, or I'm sorry, Braxton Red grabs Debbie. It's a shame they're all B names here. But and he starts dragging her out and she gets away and she starts running away from, from him. And he says, Don't do that, Debbie. And he starts shooting out with a Uzi. He doesn't hit her, but he's like, you know, chasing her in a building. And then Bardo pulls a pretty good stunt in that there's a mirror there. And oh, he uses the mirror as a misdirect because in the mirror he looks bigger than he is. Right. And 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 Braxton Red turns and he, he empties the Uzi into the mirror. And, and now his gun's empty, and Bardo steps out, and he starts shooting up Rax, and he blows his arm off, and you see his blown-off arm still twitching, trying to shoot the Uzi. Trying it's to shoot cool. the Uzi, dude. And he's getting ready to shoot him, and then the, this other gang member shows up. He's all already charred and all, so obviously he got caught in the explosion of the vehicles. And mm -hmm. he's shooting, like, two Uzis at Brick, and, and Brick takes him out. But, he, but he, they knock, he, he, like, dives out of the way, and the gun gets knocked out of his hand. And, of course, then Braxton Red goes to pick his gun up and shoot him with his own gun, and they have a little tiny gun for um Oz or for Jackie or O'Haley to pick up. Yeah. But of course he does the magnet trick again and, and calls the gun back to his hand. But before he shoots Braxton Red, Debbie steps in the middle and says, No, don't kill him for me. Don't do it. And right. so Dom Man agrees not to shoot him. And I mean no. he's dying anyway. But yeah, Debbie's this like it's over. It's yeah. done. And but she's right. <laughs> well, but he but but the problem is it's not over because he has the dimensional bomb. Yeah. And so he, he he hits the dimensional bomb. Brick recognizes it's a dimensional fusion bomb. And he tells her to run. And he runs. And Braxton hits well, the button. I, I, here's, I have a question. Mm -hmm. When we first learned about the dimensional bomb, Sprug says something to the effect of there's only one weapon that could destroy this bomb and that's brick's gun no he was saying that there's only one weapon he was saying that he feared it, it they weren't related 
He was saying okay. he fears Brick's gun because Brick's gun had blown him up. And okay, okay. Because he tells um Braxton Red he should fear Brick's gun too. His blaster. Right. Too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That that's what that was. The oh, there's one other line we skipped when. Well, there's a... when well, there's a bunch we skipped, but <laughs> when when Dollman was blowing up the vehicles over the radio, Brick or Braxton Red comes across. And says, what the fuck's going on out there? And and and, and Dollman says, "Urban fucking renewal." <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, so they, they run away and the bomb goes off and, and so is it, it's in a building and you see these, these waves of light coming out of the building and, and then a couple flashes of light and then the building's not there anymore. And yeah. So doll man's like run and they're running mm-hmm. and then they dive down and then there's these weird flashes of lights that come over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then what? Well, and, 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 and then the bomb goes off. Mm-hmm. And Don Man and Debbie are still there, so he walks over. She walks over to him, or she walks over to her. Yeah, and we get the the final line in the movie, which is they're they're staring off into like this sunset. They're which, like, which is her and the action figure are sta- staring in the sunset. Right, we see their backs. We're looking at yeah. their backs, and yeah. he just and the final line in the movie is, "Tell me, size doesn't matter." <laughs> Because <laughs> you know he, he he wants to get busy with Debbie. So because there, there, there was one or two establishing scenes that we brushed over where there is some romantic tension being built up between the two. As much romantic tension as you can have between a thirteen-inch tall man and a and a regular size and a, woman, yeah, five-three woman or what five-five woman, yeah. whatever she is, right? And um, that's why I was wondering. I was like, where is this going to go? Yeah. <laughs> to to answer a question you were asked about the bomb. Yeah. So the bomb does what it's supposed to do, but just because it's smaller, the area effect is smaller. It takes a building out. That's the joke. It, it right. the building's gone. The building disappears. So what it what the bomb does is sucks the things in another dimension. So it sucked that building into another dimension, but because it was a tiny bomb, now it only has a tiny area effect. So right, but like <laughs> that's the joke. Three parsecs <laughs> is a huge amount of space. It's an actual measurement. It's a huge amount of space. Like a sixth of three parsecs would still be a friggin' entire planet. Well, so maybe he was exaggerating how big the area effect was. Who knows? But but that that that's the deal with the bomb, though. Was okay. It, it, just the building disappears. Not yeah, three parsecs. Yeah. Um. So now, Man. yeah, no, like there's there's one scene we we talked about some of the lot. There's one scene mm-hmm. where Debbie and Brick are talking about just how bad things are in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And Brick's like, you got to fight fire with fire. And Debbie's like, I always thought you fought fire with water, which is a very clever line. And then Brick's like, sometimes fires are just too big. Right. And it's like, well, they yeah. still use water. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you can do backburns. But yeah, th- no, definitely. Yeah, 100% better. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's what it is, right? It's, yeah. But, but all in all, it, this is a pretty fun movie. It, it's a quick movie. It's like I say, it's about 71 minutes a movie after... The movie's over. Then we do the what a standard thing in Al- Albert Pun movies, especially later ones, where we we get to see a few clips. You know, we we get to see a few scenes with the actor, and this is the actor's name. And then we, you know, we you know, so we get to see a little footage of the actors. And but what that effectively does is it adds to the running time in the movie because the running time is so short. Right. But, um, but but on all, it's good. Now we do see Dom Man two more times. Um, this was made in ninety one. Now so 19- where is this in Poon's, where does this fall in the order of his movies? 
Well, is that this, is a good is question. This I like will tell you. Yeah. In the first like few. No, so no. This is ten years into his career. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's made. He's made a. He's made uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. This is his twelfth movie. Oh um, shit! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is his twelfth movie. Um. Now, Poon won't work with Dom in again, but but they will. Full Moon Productions bring Dom in back twice. In 1992, the next year, we have a movie called Bad Channels. And Bad Channels, we won't cover in this retrospective, but we may do a, a Dom Man's Further Adventures retrospective where we talk about this in the next movie I'm going to mention. Maybe the most outstanding part of Bad Channels is that the soundtrack was composed and performed by Blue Oyster Cult. That's cool. Yeah, I dig that, man. So Bad Channels is basically you have a TV studio where some aliens come down and cause havoc. Okay. And Brick Bardo is there to... No, he, he's not in that movie. Oh, okay. But one thing they do to cause havoc is they shrink people. And so they so at the end of the movie, you still have one character whose name is Bunny, who is who is shrunk down to Domman size. And... There's a Marvel style post credit scene after the credits where you see Dom Man on the road and he goes, I, I heard that some woman was shrunk down by aliens. Maybe Dom Man should pay her a visit. <laughs> right. And then in same 19... actor as Dom Man. Yeah, yeah. Tim Thomas okay. right there. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's a Marvel style, yep. you know, post credit scene. And then in 1993, we get that promised movie. The only difference is Bunny has now been replaced by a different lady from this ginger. So and they don't explain why it's ginger instead of Bunny. Sure. But it really doesn't matter. 1993, we get Doll Man versus Dynamic Toys. And Doll Man versus Dynamic Toys, again, is, is beyond the scope of this podcast. We'll talk about it. But it's a it, it's a pretty great movie on its own. You, you can tell just by the title. It's going to be a yeah, pretty great yeah, movie. Yeah, that sounds right? like a classic. Um, the, the, other, the other thing I want to point out, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, but maybe we'll cover, I would like to cover these movies at some point. I mentioned the Transfers movies of Tim Thomerson, where he's effectively playing the same personality, although he's Jack Death in those movies. And, he, and he, he's from, you know, future LA after an earthquake's destroyed part of LA and all this stuff. But he's sent back in time, 1985, la to team up with heather hunt to you, you know fight a bad guy who came back in time helen, and trans hunt? helen hunt yeah yeah like the yeah that helen hunt yeah, and, well, and it's heather hunt. what's that i think you said heather hunt ha helen hunt yeah yeah helen hunt yeah um and, and so maybe we'll talk about the transfers movies sometimes too because they're they're pretty great movies as well yeah but that is any last comments on doll man it's fantastic you can watch it for free on youtube yeah uh, it's it's worth every 71 minute of it dude it's, <laughs> it's great it's a great 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 fun movie that's right you, you can also watch on amazon prime with commercials yeah with co unskippable commercials yep so but i i think that's all we have for this episode of the European Joe, I want to thank you again for joining me to talk about this movie. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for pointing me in this movie's direction. It's now in my top movies. This movie rules. <laughs> wait, wait, wait till we watch Transfers. I'm, I'm sure you'll love that too. It's not a pun movie, but 
Tim Thomerson does a, does a great job in that as well. So, and, and, and folks, we have, you know, many more of these movies to cover this year. If you, dear listener, are a fan of any of Albert Pun's movies and want to come on to talk about them, I would love to have you on as a guest to talk about your favorite movie. You know, we've already talked about The Sword and the Sorcerer, Cyborg, Dollman. I have guests, a guest lined up to talk about Omega Doom. But other than that, it's pretty wide open. So if there are other things in Pun's wide oeuvre that you want to cover, and he, he made, you know, 40-some films, um, almost 50 films. So there are plenty of films out there. Just, you, you know, reach out. I would love to have you on here. Otherwise, you know, I'll twist Joe's arm and, and make him watch him with me. So either way, we're, we're going to have an episode every month. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for having me, Jason. Oh, no. Thank you, Joe. Folks, go check out Joe's podcast, Hindsightless. As always, I want to thank TJ Drennan for the music. I want to thank Ray Otis for the Cough Cup clip art, although obviously today we have a picture of Dahlman, the poster art for the show. And I will be back on Wednesday with a regular episode. Folks, be excellent to each other. Joking about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I could see him dead. Bring on the glow, bring on the glow. I want some Sure is a dustbin and more of by a tipper And I'm assuming that's your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Zombies are arising and the world is gone to hell. We're living for the dying and 